lockdown, listening to quite a lot of stuff around mindset and, you know, the predisposition to, to, to sort of survive. And I actually wrote a, uh, a question up on my board saying, is it possible to raise a generation that predisposed to succeed in tonight? And I wrote under that government inference, I was like, I don't, not because I feel like, you know, I have something more special than other people to say, but because this stuff is too important to just mm-hmm. front seat. It's like, I want to see change. I want to be a part of that. So, and it's happening, but it's not happening because I suddenly found a new skill set. It's happening because I've emptied myself. Mm. I'm letting God move through me. And he is so interested in people and their hearts. Yo, Ryan Hartley here from Always Better Than Yesterday and welcome back to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring and successful people about their heart and their mind, all with a view to helping you be better than you were yesterday in your heart and in your mind. These interview sessions are brought to you by our good friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Episode 93 today, we are joined by founder of Mitos, Naomi Trentham. Mitos was founded to help individuals and organizations thrive by finding their voices, their purpose, by understanding emotion and utilizing personal and collective well-being to change the impact of such opposition that Einstein says that great spirits have always encountered opposition from mediocre minds. Mitos stands for moving in the opposite spirit. I really hope you enjoy our conversation with Naomi. Hopefully it helps you connect with your heart and mind in some way. I hope that it inspires you to show up maybe a little bit differently today. Um, Let me know. Give me some great feedback. And um, if you are not already connected with us in the Facebook, we are always better than yesterday community. Come jump in, come connect with us. Naomi's in there as well. um, And we'll have some great conversations about this episode, I am sure. That's enough from me. Let's dive in. Episode 93 with Naomi. Naomi, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I would love to know a little bit more about you and your story, if you'd be willing to share my story okay so um <clears throat> right now where i am um i uh have three kids uh susanna judah and lois so they are obviously my priority um i'm primary care for them um, single parent which is an adventure um for the last year um and i am a christian um growing up in the church all my life i would say my faith has gone from um formulaic taught to raw and much more authentic in the last four years but lockdown as you'll know in this these few short months we've known each other has been a massive roller coaster of really learning the difference between religion and faith on a very raw level um 
so I found myself propelled into all kinds of um, environments that I didn't ever expect to be in, which has been amazing. Um, and yeah, learning really to, I think, empty myself more than anything to make room in relationship, in, um, in my work, in my home for things to happen and not, not be prescriptive in, um, in the things that I do, which is a challenge for somebody that likes to control everything. So I'm learning <laughs> to let go, I think more than, more than anything else, which has been um, an interesting, interesting journey. I hear you on that one. I hear you. That's very much been my journey over the last 12 months. Surrender is not my favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to dive in because you haven't mentioned Mitos yet. I'd love to know a little bit about Mitos, but I want to know some of the backstory. I want to know where you've come from. I want to know some of the things that have shaped and guided your heart and mind for, for Mitos up until this point. Sure. So Mitos is um, I can't call it a company because it's not a company. Uh, it's still settling what it really is, but it's an, I would call it at the moment, it's like a canopy or an umbrella brand or organization, which I launched very softly launched in January. Um, I am trained as an emotion coach and practitioner trainer um, and have been doing all sorts of things on some level or another around helping people and supporting people all the way through my career, whether it's nannying um, or whether it's um, I've worked with the youth offending team, working with young offenders, um, or actually doing emotion coaching with kids in schools. Um, so sort of on a, on a kind of career side of things, I've always been involved in that sort of thing. But I think the, the biggest kind of shift for me in the last four years has been around forgiveness, actually, and learning how to, um, how to love well how to be boundaried, how to forgive myself for things and how to be less hooked by other people. And, and I've been learning a lot uh, anyway, but obviously even more in the last few months about fear and what fear is and what fear isn't. And MITOS stands for moving in the opposite spirit. Um, I'm going to take a moment and credit my dad. Um, <laughs> I sort of sat wondering, trying to settle on what am I going to make? What am I going to call my business? And He'd been carrying that word around for quite a while, that, that acronym, and he felt actually he wanted to give it to me. And it just fitted so well. And mm. I was actually with them over Christmas, um, beginning to work on branding and settling what, how I wanted this to look. And knew I needed a certain kind of bit of a tagline. And um, I sat for ages with my dad and we just sort of naming, doing all these words and these different words. And the two words that kept coming through were connect and transform. Mm -hmm. um, but actually a lot of that comes from learning, whether it's learning by act actively learning or learning by being taught. So the tagline is learn, connect, transform. And the idea is to, to gain um, wisdom and knowledge and understanding about the way our brains work. Um, neuro neuroscience is a big part of what I teach. Um, and actually the whole point is to connect with ourselves, with God, with one another to bring about change. And the movie in the opposite spirit and I sort of really was brainstorming and um, writing out what that really means. And, and really that spirit is fear. Anything that comes against us being our true selves. And um, as you'll know, um, Einstein said something, I always say this wrong, but it's great spirits often encounter violent opposition to mediocre minds. And opposition is about telling you what you can't do rather than calling you higher. And mm. so, so that's what we're opposing. That's, that's what, and I say we, because um, it's growing, 
said, some new people um, coming on board that I'm beginning to collaborate with and some of a uh, piece of work we've already done uh, under the MITOS umbrella. So even though if you look at the website, I'm on there, really, that's going to grow. And it's, it's about it's creating a space for different people to come in and out and collaborate and have a have a sort of what will hopefully become a familiar brand under which to work, the voices mm -hmm. to be heard. I, um, I want to touch on the neuroscience element of it because I'm, I'm fascinated by this. And before I became a Christian, I was a man of science. I, you know, I say that inverted brackets. I was yeah. a man of science, you know, and, and I just would be curious to know how you align both your faith and your understanding of, of science. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think God is really love science. I think he created science. I don't think it's either or. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, when I look at the way um, the brain works and how particularly the emotions, obviously um, being an emotion coach and, and everything I do is based on feelings, recognizing that the emotional part of the core, the emotional core of the brain is already fully active before we're born mm -hmm. and fully developed before the, by the age of 11 and earlier in neurodiverse children it just makes no sense to me that we push down our emotions in order to make decisions. It's, that's actually more irrational. And so, and then just learning, I mean, neuroscience is something I'm fairly new to, even though I've been doing emotion coaching mm -hmm. on and off for six years. It's, it's only since I did my practitioner trainer last year, I've really started to get a grasp on this. I'm still learning and I love it, but you know, just the way our whole systems are connected and you know, how we feel physically in our body, what's going on emotionally. And we think of emotions being in the heart, um, that they come from the brain. And it, it, it all just, it, it's all so fascinating, so complex. And, and when I think of God as a, he is so creative and so loves seeing us discover. And so as we find joy, you know, when I'm sat reading an article on the development trajectories in neurotypical children of the amygdala and the hypocampus, <laughs> I mm -hmm. actually read that like, last week mm -hmm. and I'm going oh my goodness look at this and look at this and I'm saying my friend who's got um two children with autism I'm like this is why sensory issues became such a big deal about this stage and and I think God actually loves how we take joy in discovery and how mm -hmm. we take joy in learning but also the thing that causes me to know or to feel deep down in my own um core that there is something so much bigger than science is those instincts you can't put you can't put any kind of formula to those gut feelings that mm -hmm. you know when you sense that something's going to happen or when you feel like you should do something even if it's counterintuitive it doesn't make sense in the natural you know if i look at my story and my history and the journey i've been on the very fact that i am doing what i'm doing with the people that i'm doing it with that my kids are thriving makes no sense mm -hmm. And so, and people say to me, oh, you're so strong. Yes, I am. But my strength is in choosing to surrender, is in choosing to make room, is in choosing to forgive. Forgiveness has actually been, I was sort of reflecting on it this morning ahead of, of us talking this afternoon. If I had to pick one of the things I've repeatedly shown up and chosen to do, that has shaped everything, it's forgiveness. 100%. Why? Um, because... Um, Give it, there's two elements to it. So number one is it keeps you in a place of surrender. Hmm. I remember four years ago, I had, there was something that had been, that had happened and I had decided I wasn't going to forgive that particular thing. Not like me, 
Um, and I kind of tucked that away in my back pocket as a bit of a, I'm going to keep that forever. That's going to be the thing I come back to. That's my safety net. And I think mm. we do that a lot subconsciously. And I was sat in a, um, I don't know, kind of a young adult meeting. Um, and we've been learning together. I've been reading Isaiah 52, 53, which is all the prophetic stuff is around Jesus mm. coming and dying on the cross. And um, somebody read an account of the physical impact of going to the cross on Jesus. And it was horrific. I mean, it was absolutely horrific. Everything from what it would have done to him, having the crown of thorns in his head, what actually has to happen in the system to sweat blood, right through to the chest cavity, literally filling with fluid and crushing his heart. And I mean, I wanted to bolt. I mean, I really wanted to run with everything in me. I felt so sick. And um, it was only fear of man that stopped me doing that, actually. Mm. Um, and I sat and we were told, you know, we'd listen, go and sit with that and just settle what that means for you. And I realized that, you know, I called myself a Christian my whole life. I've grown up in the church, but by refusing to forgive, I was essentially saying what Jesus did wasn't good enough for me. I was holding in mm. contempt. Mm. And that made me feel really sick. And so that was it. From then on, um, forgiveness is just not something I'm prepared to have in my life. And so it keeps, keeps you in that place of surrender and recognizing how Jesus already done everything we ever need to overcome everything we face. But also it stops you hanging on to other people's stuff. And interestingly, a few weeks ago, I had a, um, a Zoom chat with somebody who I sort of know peripherally, but who knows um, the family of my, um, the kid's dad, they know him well. And he doesn't didn't know the story of, of where things are at, that we are that we're separating, separated, um, and all the whys. And so I had to tell him a little bit about what was going on and what had led to it. And I was almost expecting to have to defend myself. And he just he just said, I'm so overcome by how much grace you have. I said, well, What do you mean? He said, You're not bitter. I'm not angry, there's no resentment in your tone. And I'm like, Well, no, I'm not bitter or, or angry or resentful. You know, if I walked around with a sense of being owed something, then I'm never going to be satisfied. I'm never going to be happy in, in my own heart. And so I think that's, the, that's why forgiveness is so important, because it's, it's letting go. But also forgiving self. You know, I'm not, I wasn't innocent in the breakdown of my marriage. I, I wasn't, haven't been, you know, I've messed up time and time again with my kids. Of course I have. But actually the best thing I have been able to do for them is to model self-forgiveness, to let things go, to not feel awful about things, to look right, of course, to apologize, of course, to, to make good. And so I think if, if, if you took forgiveness out of my journey, I would not be sitting here today. I would not be functioning. I would be walking around feeling like the world owes me something and mm -hmm. carrying around, taking responsibility for other people's anger, other people's messes. And so, yeah, I'm just not prepared to do that. You talked about discovering the difference between religion and faith. Mm. Why, is, why is that a thing? Because religion is, I feel, about rules, about striving. Mm. And it's also about being subject to other people's opinions a lot of the time. Mm. Now, that's not to say we don't need accountability. We do. Being covered, being accountable is absolutely right. Um, but I'm just, I think I'm just, I used to feel like in order to get there, whatever that means, in order to mm -hmm. find my place with God, I needed to 
be up at six o'clock in the morning and doing the quiet times and reading my Bible. And, and I didn't find life in that. I would feel just like I was never getting it right. I was never going to make it. And and I think whereas faith is, is much more, it's an unction, it's a knowledge that comes from relationship. That has to come first. Mm-hmm. And if you get hung up on the, you know, the, the rules or the, um, I don't know, you know, you get, you get, people have different ideas and different things over all, so many issues and they become, the issue becomes the issue instead of the heart being the issue. And I think, you know, Romans 14 is so absolutely about not judging. And I used to be really properly judgy all the time of everyone and everything. And letting go of that has been such a relief. And, and so I think it's, it's recognizing my, I think, you know, people say, don't they, at the, when people die, or you never know what happens between a man and his maker in those last moments. But actually, my dad once said, well, you never know what happens between a man and his maker anyway. So we walk around deciding whether they're a good Christian, whether they really know God. And we don't have a clue. It's not, and it's none of our business. You know, we're called to encourage one another and to mm. pull each other up and to, to be rooted and established. And the rooted and established in love in God has to come first. And if we're not that, then we don't get to even begin, in my, in my, my view, to question yeah. other people. I know you really enjoyed my uh, interview with John Gordon back in episode 77. And in, in it, he described what he talks about in the garden around work coming from the word worship. And the, mm. the two were never really supposed to be separated. And I just mm. wonder how does, um, how does the word of God, how does the way of Jesus show up in, in my toss? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> saw, he, he saw the person. So if you, look all the way through his life so the woman at the well he spoke to her heart before he talked about what she did you know um Zacchaeus in the tree he didn't say what do you think you're doing you need to pay back everyone's taxes get a grip and then we might be able to have a relationship but hey come on down he saw him there's a stunning story of a um a widow whose son has just died and then that culture would have left her with nothing mm. and Jesus, it says Jesus was overcome with compassion and he saw her, he saw what she needed. And so my thought is about being seen, about seeing where somebody is at and, in, and actually bringing a voice and a language to them to be able to, to, be, to identify with that. And that's what we all long for, is to actually be seen, but yet it's vulnerable to put ourselves out there. And for a lot of people, myself included, we put ourselves out there and we're not seen or we're misunderstood that was my biggest fear was being misunderstood yeah but actually and and so you know when going into an environment where there is animosity you know i always seek my heart is always to what's really going on for this person what are they displaying they're displaying anger so what do they need they need peace so where have they lacked peace you know i can see that you're really untested right now i'm so sorry that things are hard for you what do you need and that under that totally you know changes the atmosphere and i remember even um i was at a gathering not long before lockdown and i was uh, chatting to this guy and he told me that his wife had died two years ago and i turned around and said oh, i'm so sorry what was her name and he was really shocked yeah what was she like what do you miss about her mm-hmm. and you know and he just so valued the opportunity to talk yeah. about someone that was really precious to him 
And so that's right. how my that's what it is about Jesus that I love is that he mm. saw and he called and he and he met that person in their pain. Yeah. What do you think stops people from doing that? What it for other people or for themselves? Yeah, like like having that conversation with that man and and um being able to ask him those questions about his wife. What do you think stops people doing that? Fear, always. Yeah. You know, what what if I upset them? What if I get it wrong? What if you know, what if it feels awkward? What if he, you know, thinks I'm weird? Mm. What if he doesn't? What if he feels seen? Mm. What if he feels validated? What if he feels, you know, just really grateful that somebody stopped to ask? Yeah. And so, you know, I've said, you know, that Erwin McManus says fear is faith in the worst possible outcome. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is the opposite of fear? Love is the only thing. Like fear and love can't coexist. And so the only way to bring someone out of fear is to invite them into love. And so that's being yeah. saying, I see you. Mm. And, you know, certainly with, with, when I'm working with adults who've had pain in their childhood, that's one of the things to say is, I'm so sorry you weren't seen. I'm mm. sorry that no one met your need in that moment. And it's usually very moving because that's think, what we all need. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I think... Um... Some of those, I can, I can, I can visualize this in a leadership capacity because I've been a a leader of of predominantly women for for a long time who are naturally more emotional or willing to display emotion, shall we say, than than men in a work setting. And there, there's a varying difference between line managers who can deal with that emotion and who can't. And and I, and I think. I think sometimes the fact that there are certain people that ha- can't deal with that themselves and therefore they can't deal with it for others. They can't give what they've not got. And, and sometimes that's a, an understanding and a comfort to be around emotion. Mm-hmm. If someone came to you and we're looking to, cause I, I think we, to, to be able to lead other people, we need to be first able to lead ourselves. So how, how do we learn through the work that you do with Mitos, through the emotion coaching, how would you work with someone to gain a greater emotional understanding of themselves? Um, storytelling is amazing. Yeah. I actually started with a new client yesterday who's first, we met through a um, color profiling workshop mm-hmm. that we were both on. And, um, and he, when I told him what I did, his response was, I don't do emotion. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Very sweet guy. Very, very empathic, very yes. good at considering the needs of others, but really struggles with being with needing other people. And we actually had our first session yesterday. And I said to him, how do you want to start? Do you want to, um, do you want me to talk through the basic neuroscience, how it all works together? Or do you want to just mm. dive in? He said, let's just dive in. And he's telling me these stories of growing up, different things that he's done, different things he's experienced. Yep. And, um, and I'm just saying, okay, well, how did that feel? And he's like, I, it, I didn't feel anything. Mm. And then we had, had this really interesting moment where he went through something very traumatic that for most people would have um, shut them down. And I said, what happened to you in that moment? He said, well, actually, strangely, he sat by the side of the road with his family looking at a car that they should not have got out of. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, actually, I imagine I remember this scene from this movie. And I just kept thinking about that scene from the movie. And I said, do you know why that was? And he said, no. And I said, well, it was likely because for you, that's a safe place. That's a place of joy. So you're finding, your brain is finding its own way to bring comfort. 
So that tells me that actually what you were feeling was, see, there was a bit of fear knocking around, sadness, confusion. So you're, you defaulted to find a safe space. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. And then he, from then, is just validating what was going on, even though he couldn't identify it. He then went on to tell me about his experience between the age of 17 and 21, which was an extremely difficult time. And what I was able to help him see is that he was working in one place, going home at the weekend. This place was very high end. This was very, very struggling to even pay for shopping. Mm -hmm. So the assumption here was that he was loaded and part of this. And the assumption here was that he wasn't. And so in neither place was he seen for who he really was. And that was when his shutdown began. And so and it was so interesting because, you know, we talk about a lot of things. And then later on, he messages me. And begins to say, because there's something coming up in this weekend, he's like, this is going on this weekend, and I'm feeling, and he named about nine different emotions <laughs> in one message. And I'm like, this is amazing. And so actually, telling our stories brings validation. If somebody hears it, it brings validation. And so whether, so starting off, you know, I could, could have started off with something very professional, very, you know, something that can seem very emotionally detached. But actually, as soon as you begin to name what's going on in there, it, mm. that, that part of you almost begins to wake up and it's giving people permission. And it's interesting because actually through lockdown, I've ended up doing more one-to-ones with men than I have with women. And so there is a hunger there, and it, but it's having a safe way to develop that language without feeling like, you know, without losing faith, as it were. And then I find that as they go there, they don't begin to less, care less anyway about what other people think. It's, it's really interesting. Um, the storytelling. And Jesus um, told stories, didn't he? All the time. He did tell stories. Do you have a favourite one? That Jesus told? No. Not really. I would love to know... Um, your story of transformation through lockdown? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, lockdown hit. I went a little bit loopy. Um, for me and my children, it felt the same as when their dad first left. So, they are all these huge feelings, and I am nav trying to navigate four hearts. So, I did what I'm really good at. I got very, 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 very busy. So I signed up to every networking event, every possible one-to-one, -one, like said yes to every invitation, made lots of invitations, so I became very unavailable. Um, and that didn't really work very well. Um, there was one particular day where I uh, flipped to either implode or explode. I exploded. Um, my family suffered a little bit. They were very gracious, my extended family. Um, and I think, um, as you'll remember, I had spent months actually avoiding God. I was so afraid that yeah. if I let him close, if I began to go there with the next level of healing, that he was going to make me get out and start doing what I had known for a long time I was supposed to do. So I'd set myself up, done the website, got email set up, and <laughs> then done absolutely nothing with it. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think definitely... So a, a number of things have happened simultaneously. I keep saying near the beginning of lockdown, but it, lockdown was so long, I lost track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all merged. <laughs> it's all merged. But I would say a number of things happened. Number one, I started connecting with God again. 
Um, I did a little challenge with a guy called Graham Cook on Facebook, which was called Three Plus Me. So that's about God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And and that was really helpful because he talked about how Jesus is inside of us and his relationship with God is never broken, which means our relationship with God is never broken. He spends so much time going, I need to get back into a relationship with God. And so knocking that out was brilliant. And he was just saying, we've got everything we need inside of us. It's just like walking into an elevator and hitting the peace button and calling up peace. So I'm like, oh, okay, brilliant. So that, and, and one of the things he talked about is about every low place in our life having a double portion of blessing as we surrender to the love of God and those seas in our life. And I've had a lot of lows, a lot. And so I'm like, oh, okay, that means there's good stuff coming. Okay. And I just began to, to go there. Um, with just swapping and giving time to listening to God and what he had to say to me. I journal, I mean, I've written hundreds, hundreds of pages in lockdown in my journal, um, which is kind of two-way conversation, and then began these downloads of kind of just boom realizations of, mm-hmm. you know, beginning with, with what it is to be on the water. So, you know, that Jesus walked out, out into the storm to get his friends, and then Peter jumps out of the boat and he starts to sink, and that and this is where you know again back to faith versus religion i've always grown up thinking that's about me not having enough faith but it isn't it's jesus saying hey i'm here it's fine i've got you when we're on the water we get to rise with the waves and see where he's taking us and that was kind of the beginning and i've sort of gone on this journey of of actually being fully seen it jesus said i loved you because i knew you and we know jesus knows everything about us but actually am i prepared to let him see it all am i prepared to to let go of everything and be, you know, a joke with some friends about being naked before before him. And actually, he it says in the Bible that he's our strength and high power. So the more seen we are by him, the mm. more naked we are, the more everything's out there. Okay, you can literally have it all. I don't care anymore. The more two things happen. One is he we get to reflect him more, made in his image. So that means I'm part of him and he's part of me. And I that means and he's love and. So I'm loved. So actually, I'm quite amazing. Not in an arrogant way. And I get mm-hmm. to reflect, God, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. So there's an inner work that happens, but also the more out there and exposed we are, the more he can completely surround us and mm-hmm. hold us steady. So when those waves come, he takes front of that. So even though, you know, it says to be in the world, not of the world, which is really confusing if nobody mm-hmm. explains what that means. Mm-hmm. Actually, it means the more we're covered by him, the less we're exposed to those that aren't safe so it's almost like i've had conversations with people and i've been in environments where i would anticipate a bit like with that guy I'd anticipate being shut down or being questioned mm. but they it hasn't even you know, it's not even been an issue yeah. at all so so that's been sort of i mean there's so much has gone on in lockdown it's almost like too much to believe but um there's been, i've been writing a lot i've profound new connections amazing friends amazing um voices like you and other people in the abti group just calling each other higher and it's so i feel seen mm. and that's what it's about i feel really seen and even yesterday i had a bit of a bit of a pain point where i was triggered by something and and this friend who's very new like in the last three weeks and i'm just messaging her going this is i'm feeling this i'm feeling this i'm feeling this and She's like, I see you. I'm feeling that with you. I'm so sorry. You know, let's talk this out. Let, let me pray for you. And, and it was like, by the time I got, went to bed, instead of eating me up inside, 
it was like, okay, I've been seen now, I can let that go. I don't have to carry that around anymore. It's so powerful. So this sense of um, surrender and stepping out onto the water, what has that done for your journey with Mitos? <laughs> um, well, it's taken it from an, an inactive brand to it, it's literally like God has gone brilliant. Now I can really use you. Mm-hmm. And um, just some amazing projects are coming out of it. So um, there's, a lot, there's a, sort of lots of smaller things going on. Um, you, won't, you won't know this, but I spoke to the three schools that I'm involved with yesterday and all three of them want me to go in now and start upskilling staff instead of just working with kids that's amazing um and um you know there's a project i don't know when this is going out so i have to be a bit careful but there's a um i got invited to this guy. I, I think what i felt that's the other thing is is i felt challenged to write an article to put out on linkedin about the the fallout of bringing so bringing everybody back together after lockdown the melting pot of emotions that are going to be in that space we can pick up on each other's feelings that's been scientifically proven um as well as just knowing it um and so actually even just naming what's going on in the room can be really helpful so i wrote this article and what i felt god was saying to me was make yourself visible enough to be found don't shout on an already crowded stage and i have ended up connecting with a lot of people including a chap who's very involved with some work around looking at the education system and why it isn't working and he's invited me um, to come in and, and, and contribute to um, a study they're doing and some hope, hopefully some new ideas and thoughts around that. And, and it was interesting because when I was talking to him, um, two things. Number one, I was like, what he's talking about sounds like the heart of God. And I waited about a week before I was like, can I just ask you other face? And he does. So that makes a lot of sense. But, but also I found myself wanting to discount myself. And say, well, actually, you know, there's lots more experts in this field going to the website, a major coach UK website. But instead, I found myself saying about all the other experience I have in corporate and with youth and other things that actually means that my um, perspective, mm-hmm. my approach is quite different. And it's looking at leadership for schools as well as after children. And so that's been amazing. And the uh, piece that I wrote with the support of, of these guys that are joining me was just phenomenal um and they they it's landed really really well and actually today it's gone out as an example of this is the caliber of contributions we need for this so that's amazing um i've collaborated with these guys so ollie and marie who um we're looking at this project for sit formers for independent schools which is going really well um and then there's sort of various other emerging things going around so um yeah it's gone from kind of just this small thing day and a half a week in a few bits in schools to actually real influence and that's what I prayed early on in lockdown listening to quite a lot of stuff around mindset and you know the predisposition to to sort of survive and I actually wrote a um a question up on my board saying is it possible to raise a generation that predisposed to succeed and thrive and I wrote under that government influence Gavin Williamson as I, I don't not because I feel like you know, I have something more special than other people to say, but because this stuff is too important to just mm-hmm. front seat, it's like, I want to see change. I want to be a part of that. So, and it's happening, but it's not happening because I have suddenly found a new skill set. It's happening because I've emptied myself mm. from letting God move through me. And he is so 
interested in people and their hearts. So, How can people join you in that movement? How can um, they find you? So I have a Microsoft.Work Instagram page, which I'm beginning to build momentum on. Um, my website, www.microsoft.work. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. There's a Microsoft.Work page on LinkedIn. Um, I love collaborating. I love talking to people about this. And, um, and I'm not interested in being the main voice. It's about team. It's about joining hearts with one another. And I think that's one thing that I recently, through a, sort of a, an activity, a, an exercise I did with these guys, you know, we had to sort of find our words. The mind kept coming back as connecting and connected. And connected, being connected is so important to me. Mm. Actually, I love connecting people. So I sort of think, oh, that person would be really good for this person. And, and releasing mm-hmm. them to go and do it, um, that brings me a lot of joy as well. So, Good. Yeah. I'd love to know what the phrase always better than yesterday means to you. I knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> it comes back to um, forgiveness always. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know that so long as I keep forgiving and keep making room, that, that allows growth and change and capacity increase which enables me to be better in myself but also better for other people love that thank you for taking time out of your day thank you for sharing your heart and your mind and i'd just love uh, for you to share a or leave us with a final thought from your good self final thought hmm I think for absolutely everybody listening, you're doing better than you think you are. Let's leave it at that. Thank you so much for your time. Much love. There we go. Episode 93 with Naomi. Hope that's inspired you in some way. Thank you for making it all the way to the end. As I usually do in most interview sessions, I reflect on something from the conversation that's really stood out for me. And, and I really uh, admired the the lockdown transformation that um, Naomi shared with us. I've been very fortunate enough to have a number of conversations with Naomi. We've walked alongside each other for the last six to nine months. And being a small part of her transformation has, has been a real privilege to to observe um i hope again this in this podcast has has done something positive for you uh if you know someone in your network that would really benefit in their heart and their mind from this interview session or the 92 previous to that please do point them in the direction of the always better than yesterday podcast thank you my friends for making it to the very end of the podcast i'll speak to you again next week Much love.